0: Thank you for tuning in to Cobblestone Community Church today. We hope this message blesses you. If you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com. Now here's the message. We need men and women of God that'll go where God's telling them to go, regardless if they're in the front of a room or in a small, tiny room in the back with two people. We need to be a courageous people that'll stand in front of a stadium or stand in front of our aunt and tell them that there is a living God. And that he really dwells in the midst of his people. And that's why I'm excited today. So if I was to say to you, he is risen, what would you say? Indeed, Indeed, yeah? He was alive last week and he's alive right now. And the beauty is that in the name of Jesus, there's power. And so I'm excited because for 2,000 years, they've been singing songs like, let the poor say they are rich, let the weak say they are strong. Why? Because of Jesus. Jesus. And I just want to kind of invite us as a people. Can we take our expectation level from here, put it up here? Like, because he's a living Savior, he's not dead. You can't expect anything from a dead person. I can expect a lot from a living Savior, which means he, he could show up at any moment. Woo. When you hear his word, it's alive. And his voice creates, restores, Breaks chains, sends demons flying. So Jesus is present, and I've prayed that he would encounter you. And I don't mean that in the fluffy church sense. I mean in the God himself would slap you. <laughs> like he would get your attention, and you would be like, there's a living God in the room. So we're going to be in John 10, 27, which is like my favorite verse in the last, I don't know. I just Every time I enter a room, I end up talking about John 10, 27. And uh, we're in a reading plan. We read the Bible every day as a church. Who's doing the reading plan? Who's lying about doing the reading plan? It's fine. Uh, And really, it's a chapter of the Bible a day. And the goal is, I don't even know where my Bible or my notes are. This is get fun. Um, The goal is that you would attach your life to the Word of God. That as we're about to open it up, you sometimes, and I've done this, I see it as text on a page. And I see it as commas and, and words to be broken apart, but it is the living word of God, and it's got power in it. And when I read it, I'm hearing God speak. But when you teach it as a textbook, or you do what I've been doing long enough, I've been doing this about 15 years-ish, I find that we get so used to doing what we're doing that sometimes our rhythms and our normal things we do, they betray us, and God's nowhere in it. So what I'd like to do, I know I just had you open up the Bible, and you can grab one of those Bibles. There's Bibles everywhere. I want you to be in the Word. Um, I'm going to stop, and my favorite thing to do is get in a room of people that love Jesus. Hello, room of people that love Jesus, and go, God, because you're the living God, we're going to stop doing what we're doing for a moment, and we're going to invite you to do what you want to do. And I just want you to be more concerned about him than anything else. Can you just do that? I'm not, I'm not, nothing weird. Just God, make us aware of your presence. Yeah? All right. God, ooh, I like this part. This is my favorite part, Jesus. Because you are the living God. You hear me. And you say you will never leave us or forsake us. Make your presence known in this room. May the demons of hell shake at the name of Jesus. May anything binding anyone be broken today in the name of Jesus. I pray for healing. No one needs to touch you. Jesus, you would touch broken bodies in this room and healing would come. I pray that we would hear your voice over the voice of the world, our own voice, and the voice of the accuser. Right now, Lord, we just stop. Would you make your presence known in this room? Lord, I thank you that if a person from the world rocked in, they'd be like, why are these weird people sitting quietly in a room? It's because you're the living God and you see us and you speak and you move in the midst of your people. We We want to know you. We want to hear from you. We want to meet with you. I just pray King David's prayer. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek after. I want to gaze on your beauty. I want to inquire in your temple. I want to see your glory in the land of the living. So King Jesus, come and make your rule known in this room. You rule over everything and what you say happens. Your voice is powerful and it's not silent. Speak loudly and show the one that thinks that you are far away, that you're close. In Jesus' name, amen. John 10, 27 is the beloved disciple John. I love the gospel of John for that one reason. He leans back against Jesus. He loves Jesus. He's friends with Jesus. He writes about Jesus as if he's like his best friend. He's like, I saw him raised from the dead, and I'm testifying to you that it's real. You can trust him with everything. He's that good. And as he's beginning to write and tell these stories, he's sharing Jesus' words in John 10, and Jesus is in the temple and they've just come to him and like, all right, just tell us, are you the Messiah? And he begins to teach them about being a good shepherd, about being a shepherd that lays his life down for his sheep and that what he does with us, what he does for them then, he does now for us. This verse changes my life. And you're like, well, don't they all? Don't you like them all? You're a pastor. I like them all. This one just seems to be a rhythm. In John 10, 27, he says this, my sheep... Hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. What I love about the Bible, you can take one, two, three, those four verses, that small chunk, and i could preach it for a month that's how rich it is that's how deep it is that's how beautiful it is and in that short verse we read the bible way too fast if you slowed down long enough you could pull out of that i could pull out 17 sermons right now my sheep hear my voice are you a sheep of god my sheep hear ears my voice voice And there's a difference, a quantitative difference between the God of the Bible and any other God of the earth, because all the gods of the earth are idols who cannot see and cannot speak. Genesis 1 God does what and creates the earth? He speaks. And out of the power of his voice, everything is formed that was formed. You get into Isaiah 18, Elijah is there with the prophets of Baal, and he challenges them, which I love because it's kind of like sarcastic mixed with a little antagonistic, and I just vibe that so much. Like He's like, all right, fine, let's have a contest. You ask your God, and I'll ask mine, and we'll see which one moves. So all the prophets of Baal are there. They put up the sacrifice on the altar. They put the sticks in the little trench. He pours water on his. They go first. Prophets of Baal, Baal! Send fire, Baal, answer us. Nothing. And this is why I love the Bible, because I, I, Elijah's like, maybe he's sleeping. You should yell louder. Almost like sarcastically, and they're like, good idea. So they yell louder to the point that it is an idol, it is, it is pagan, they start cutting themselves, and they're bleeding everywhere and yelling like, come on, Baal, come on, Baal, nothing. Until it gets to the end of the day, And then Elijah steps up and he prays the prayer, Lord, I pray this and I do this because you told me to and because you're the living God that sees and speaks. Fire, will you come? Like Father in heaven, would you come send fire? Fire. Burns up the altar, burns up the sacrifice, burns up the sticks, burns up the water, burns up everything, and then all the prophets get killed. You're like, wow, that's a fun story. Isn't it? Isn't it? Why? Because our God speaks. And when he speaks, life comes to dead things. This is dry bones, stand up and put on flesh. When God speaks, life happens. And it says, my sheep hear my voice. So some of you, you had an experience similar. You're sitting in youth group and all of a sudden you were like, I got to go up there and give my life to Jesus. Do you know what you heard in that moment? You probably didn't equate it with this. You heard the voice of God. And you might not have been like, I didn't, I didn't hear anything. But the voice of the Lord said, come, be my sheep, come and follow me. And you said yes. And then you got up and went up and probably said a prayer, maybe about 17 times like I did. But you heard the voice of God. And it is a characteristic of the people, the sheep of the great shepherd to do one thing. We know his voice. We know what he says, and we know where he wants us to go. And on top of that, he says, and I know them. Now, some of you in this room, you're convinced, and I think the world's done this, and I think Satan's done this, that God doesn't care about you. That he's not aware of your situation. That somehow, over here, you got the anointed, highly favored people, but here, yeah, you're saved, but he's not that aware of you. He doesn't really care. And really, that is a lie. That is a lie. The people of God are shepherded, are sheep herded, are cared for. The numbers of, on the hairs on your head are numbers. Jesus teaches this. He says, now, the sparrows of the earth, they have food and water. How much more valuable than a sparrow are you? Won't God take care of you? Psalm 139, he knit you together. David yells out, if I go down to the depths, I can't get away from you. You're there. And if I go to the highest heights, you're there. You're not hidden from God. Now, the question is, are you one of his sheep? Do you know his voice? Do you feel like he knows you? And it says, and they follow me. So let me me break that down. I don't know if this was like, I can't remember when I watched this. You know when you fall asleep and you wake up at 2 a.m. and you're like, what, the crap's on TV? I think that's what this is. So I remember one night I was watching a show and it was one of those shows where they bring a married woman and a married man and they're trying to figure out how well they know each other. And so they put them all these tests. So all I remember is the husband was here and there was this wall with all these like screens and you couldn't see through them except for a a foot long thing at the bottom and there was feet, different sets of feet of different women. And the man, he was tasked to find his wife's feet. So husbands, do you think you could identify your wife just by her feet? You're like, bro, they're pretty ugly. I think I can find them. Right? So he does, he does the thing. He's like, yeah, he's literally like, no, too hairy. No, that's too long. No. Like he's just literally going down the line, and he's trying to figure out, is that my wife's feet? And so some of them are wiggling, and some of them are trying to like get his attention, but you can't see anything other than the feet. He finally gets to one. He's like, that's my wife's feet. That's my wife's feet. It's like number seven or whatever it was. Uh, and then finally, they're like, all right, number seven, is, and then she speaks, and the man goes, that's not my wife. I can tell you Anna's mood and tone by her voice in the other room. I can tell you what she actually is saying just by her tone. And the word of God, Jesus himself just said, my sheep, they know my voice, how else are we going to be led if we don't learn his voice, if we don't know what he's saying? Because on top of that is, and they will follow me. So let me ask you a question. Who are you following? You're all following something. You're following someone. It might be you. If you're a Miami student, you're following the four-year plan to get you out of college. That's the, you're on that track. You're on it. You're locked in. You're paying the money. You're doing the things. You're doing the hours, right? Right? Some of you like, are you following Jesus? Because he is the great shepherd of our souls. And he says, my sheep, they know my voice. I know them perfectly. God knows everything about you. He knows what you're worried about. He knows where you were last night. He knew if you didn't even want to come here today. He knows. I know them. You are known by the Savior of the world, and he speaks and leads But there's the catch. Will you follow him? And the problem is a lot of us were like, yeah, I'll follow him. But then we go do our own thing. Yeah, I'll follow him. But I want to be in charge of this part of my life. But that's not the invitation, yeah? On top of that, he says, I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. So if you're a Christian, can you do me a favor? Take a deep breath. (sighs) Let it out and relax, man. There's this this fear that I see over the God's people, as if somehow you are going to get yourself out of the hand of God, or somehow Satan's going to get you out of the hand of God. Now, here's what I've learned about being a sheep of Jesus. I'm really stupid. Anybody else want to join the stupid sheep club? Here we are, yeah? And this is the thing. There's these moments in my life where I'm like, I'm a pretty smart sheep right? And then I, then I go, and I'm like, I, I'm going to do it, and I, I walk off a cliff. And Jesus is like, come on, I, I know you, man. I know where you are. And he comes and rescues me again and again and again and again. And the Bible says repeatedly, what shall separate us from the love of God? Will demons? No. Will angels? No. Will a dumb sheep? No. So if I put something, Jeremiah's kind of a big guy. Let's say I put a gumball in Jeremiah's hand. Do you think you can get it out of his hand? All the men in the room are like, yes, sir, I can. Uh, all right, fine. Now, if, if God himself puts you in his hand, who's getting it out? You? Satan? Tribulation? Trial? Death? Disease? Cancer? What's getting you out of his hand? And it's a lie, and I just want us to be like, God's got me. He is my shepherd. I know his voice. He will lead me. And this is the problem today. A lot of us, we don't expect God to lead us. We don't expect God to know us. We don't expect God to speak. We don't expect anything from him because he would treat him like he's dead. But he's alive. And I'm in his hand. On top of that, he goes farther. He says, my father who has given them to me is greater than anyone, all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. So not only Jesus' hand, picture Jesus' hand, the Father's hand on top of that hand. Because why? I and the Father are one. This is why I said, is so deep. I could, pre- I could preach the Trinity to you right now. You're like, the Trinity? I, that's Jesus, and the Father, that's another figure. Two persons, he says, but we're one. We're the same thing. On top of that, Jesus just said, I'm God. So when God comes to you and speaks, my sheep know my voice. I'll ask the questions again. Do you know the voice of God? Do you know what it's like to be led by God? Because what I've found, and this is the whole goal of this sermon, is if we will stop long enough and go, God, I want to follow you. Will you lead me? He does. He really does. He leads his people. He has not left you abandoned, guessing what he wants from you. And on top of that, there's these moments in my life where I really felt like I was a kind of secluded sheep. God was unaware of me. And in these amazing moments, God's like, I know everything about you. Will you follow me? And so this shepherd, this Jesus, who says, my sheep hear my voice, I know them and they follow me, he does what he says he will do. He goes, lives a perfect life, and then lays down his life for the sheep. Your life is owed to one who died for you. And we know that, but what I'm hoping the Spirit of God will do today is kinda open our eyes to how we can join into that on a greater level. How can we hear the voice of God? How can we be led by God? How do I follow him better? How do I know that he knows me? Those are the questions I want you to ask. At the moment of Jesus' death, there's a switch of ages. And this is what I mean. There's these these moments in history where things shift from one thing to another. Think like the medieval times to the industrial age. Those are ages. Up to the point of Jesus's death, it was the age of the law and the prophets. Moses is handed the law written by the finger of God on stone tablets. You know the law because a lot of you feel condemned by it, which is its purpose. It's supposed to show you you can't and you need a savior. The prophets are men chosen by God who the Spirit of God comes upon and they speak the words of God. And they tell the future and what's coming and they promise the Messiah. Jesus dies and you step over this line into a new age, the age of the church and the Spirit. The Spirit poured out not on one prophet, but on all flesh. The age of the church where it's not, hey, law, 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 it's grace and truth, and we have been freed from the law because Jesus fulfilled it. The church and the spirit is where we live. And you have to understand that the saints of old, all the people, Old Testament back, John the Baptist back, you know what they longed for? This right here, where we are. Except half of us in the room are like, Jesus doesn't care about me, I'm just a dumb sheep. But all the old saints are like, we want to be you. And we're going back like, we want to be you. So maybe we're missing something. And I just want to lay the groundwork because Jesus comes, he dies, he raises from the dead and says, come and follow me and I'll give you eternal life. Repent of your sin and be made a new creation. And then he hangs around for about a month, teaches them a bunch of things, floats up to heaven, and then tells them, hey, I want you to wait. I want you to wait for my gift, the Holy Spirit, who's not just going to be hey, hey, a little fun little present. It's going to be me in you. So they wait. And then Pentecost happens, and there's this woo, amazing moment where they are filled with power, filled with hope, filled with glory, filled with the reality of the kingdom of God. And there's a sermon preached on that day, and I want to attach that sermon to John 10. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Peter preaches the very first sermon. So if you want to understand how things work, look at the history and look how things start. This is when, the, so if it's the very first sermon, I think it's a good basis for what we should be doing today if we want to follow Jesus, if we want to hear his voice, if we want to know that he knows us. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? So he had just proclaimed to them that Jesus Christ was put on a tr- the tree, the cross, and be made a curse for them that they had murdered the son of God, but that was the plan of God to free all of humanity from what had burdened them so that they might become sheep of the good shepherd. He proclaims all of that to them, and they don't just hear it and go, that's interesting. They are cut to the heart. They're literally like, ah, what do we do? And he tells them three things. And Peter said to them, repent, and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit for the promise is for you for your children and for all who are far off everyone whom the lord our god calls to himself once again break it down the lord our god calls that's a voice activity is it not if i was like toloo that's calling God looking at humans now and going, come here, I want you, I'm going to save you, follow me. This is the voice of God calling men and women to himself. A lot of us in this room have experienced that. But there's three other things that Peter says, which are foundational if you want to be a sheep of God. They should happen all the time. We need to be asking ourselves, are we doing these three things? The first one is, he says, and Peter said to them, repent repent. Some of us were like, yeah, I believe God can lead me, but you've had no interest in being led. You're like, I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you you a willing sheep? Others of you are kind of like a donkey. There's another word for that animal. Mm -hmm, That word. And you're going, yeah, Jesus is my good shepherd. I follow him. But you're just constantly pulling against what he wants for you. You look at the scripture when it says, pray for your enemies. And you're like, nah, I think I'll hate them. Uh, you, you see things like, hey, let's not, let's, let's not tell lies. And you're like, he doesn't really mean that. I want to make myself look good with the boss. so I'm going to let, you know, like, You're constantly bucking against the goads of Jesus leading you. So if that's you, do you know what's in order? That first word, repentance. And if you're here and you have in your mind that God doesn't care about you, that's not a God thought. So what's in order is, God, I have wrong thoughts. I repent of those thoughts. I renounce those thoughts and I choose to choose what is true. Some of you are in this room and you've been treating God like he's dead. No expectation, no prayer life, no hope. And you know what you need to do? I'm sorry, God, because that's not who you are. And really, I know we all know, because we were Sunday school raised, repentance is literally, if you are getting drunk every night, repentance is churning and not doing it anymore. But the definition I like of repentance is, think differently. So some of you, all you have are worldly thoughts. All you have are fleshly thoughts. Repentance is going, God, I acknowledge that my thoughts and my deeds are of this world or of the flesh, and they will lead me to hell. I want my thoughts. I change. I want to think your thoughts. Change how you think. Because it's a biblical fact that God actually is close to the brokenhearted, that God has promised I will never leave you or forsake you. So right now, if you are in Christ, the Lord is with you by his spirit. He has promised to dwell in the midst of his people. He is not an absent father. He's a very present one. So repentance is the first step. If some of us have been bucking the goads, have been pushing against the leadership of Jesus, we go, God, I'm sorry, leave me. And then he says, you need to repent and then be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now, we are gonna do baptisms today. And it's going to be joy-filled, but I tell you what it actually signifies, death. And we've missed that, but I want to put, this is going to feel weighty, but there's a freedom that God offers you in losing your life. So in Romans 6, he tells us what baptism is. Paul tells us. In Romans 6, he says, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing, so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. So when... People get dunked in here today. You know what they're doing? They're going, I identify with the death of Christ. This is like going into the grave. Unfortunately, Western Christianity has taken on a gospel that's false. Because what you were told is, invite Jesus into your life, and your life will be blessed, and you'll have the best version of life that you could possibly have. And so what we did is we took the Son of God and his grace, and we said, now give me all my happiness. But that's not the invitation. He said, come and follow me. Anyone that would follow me must lose his life. Take up your cross daily and follow me. These are the words of the Son of God. So some of us, when we go, I want to be led by God, and they're like, how? How do I do that? One word. You ready? Die. People tell me all the time, how do I follow God more? Die to you, become alive in him. Die. We don't like that as Americans. We're like, no, 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 no. I just didn't want to go to hell and I didn't want the consequences of my sins and I was tired of feeling guilty. But God didn't want to just make you kind of new. He wanted to make you completely new. A new life, a new creation, something you can't make by just saying, God, forgive me. No, you literally are being transformed, mind, body, and soul by the power of God into a new creation that is able to love God, able to walk in the things of God, able to walk like Jesus walked. So I'll ask you this, if you're like, yeah, Jesus is my good shepherd, are you living for your kingdom or his? Because I'll, I'll confess, there's moments of my Christian life where I pick my life back up. This is a daily thing. It says, daily pick up your cross, which if I don't know if you know, it'd be like me picking up an electric chair every day and lugging it around. What are you doing? I just want to remember that I'm supposed to die to me and live to him that I need to die to my flesh so that the spirit of God might live through me. And nobody likes these two words, but everybody's like, ah, oh, my sheep know my voice and I, he knows me and I wanna follow him. Well, do you actively repent? Do you identify with the death of Christ that the life of Christ might live through you? Those are the hard ones. He says one more thing, just to make the room even more fun. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Sometimes we play this game when we talk about the Holy Spirit, like, no, 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 it's for the apostles. Do you notice what he just said? For the promise of the helper, of the gift of the Holy Spirit is for those there, those that are their children and those that are far away, that's you and I. That's the Gentiles. That's the people of every type, tongue and nation. When they come to Jesus, they get the very indwelling of God's spirit. Once again, I'm very Trinitarian and I'm very Bible boy. So in John 16, Jesus teaches about this gift. So in John 16, Jesus tells us, I still have many things to say to you. Hmm, my sheep, Know my voice, I have many things to say to you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. This is Jesus's words, yeah? This is what Jesus says. You need to repent. You need to identify with the death of Christ and you will receive not, so let me just go through the Trinity with you guys just so we're clear. Father, Son, Holy Bible? No, oh yeah, Holy Spirit. God himself, God's Spirit poured out on all flesh. So why? So we know where to go. So when we're following, he says, well, he'll tell you what is mine. He'll declare it to you. He'll tell you. He'll lead you. And because I know that some of you are oriented like me, you have backgrounds like me, I'm making you nervous. Let me make you unnervous, or maybe more nervous. Uh, There's a quantitative difference between the word sola scriptura and nuda scriptura. Some of you are like, why we go in Latin, bro? Because I like it, okay? But sola scriptura, anybody ever heard that? Everyone knows what that means? Everybody talk about that every day? No? John Calvin came up with these five solas, and so sola scriptura means this. Scripture alone is the guide, is the rule for my life and faith. Nuda scriptura means only, only scripture, is the only revelation, only input, and only thing that God does. I'm a sola scriptura guy. So if anyone asks you what cobblestone is, you just yell, sola scriptura, they'll be like, wow, this is what I mean. The Bible says that the Spirit was poured out for our good. The Bible says that God speaks. The Bible says those things, not Pentecostals. The Bible says it was for my good that Jesus went away and that the Spirit was given. So let me ask you a question. If I went to my door, we hear a, and I go to the door, and I open it up, and immediately I go, slam, what would you assume about the person on the other side of the door? Not today, Girl Scout, not today, right? You, just, you would assume, I don't like whoever that is. They are not welcome. I'm not receiving them into my home. And a lot of us have treated the Holy Spirit this way. And I think God's tired of that. And I'm not asking for fantastic. I'm not asking you to do anything weird. I'm asking you to do a simple thing that you would open the door and do what Peter said, receive the Holy Spirit, which means I want to open the door and go, what do you want to do? What do you want to say? Is there anything you're doing on the earth that I can be a part of? A lot of you don't understand, like when Galatians says, walk by the Spirit and you won't gratify the desires of your sinful flesh, that's the answer to your lust problem. But since you might have a background like me, you cut off the Holy Spirit, you cut off the power. Let's not do that, yeah? So is there repentance in your life? Are you identifying with Jesus' death, burial, resurrection that you might identify with his life? And are you open? Have you received the Holy Spirit? That's a sign from God. Because smarter men than me, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, he's an old dead British guy, He's not that old, but he's kind of old. He said, There's no question but that God's people can look for and expect leadings, guidance, indications of what they are meant to do. Men have been told by the Holy Spirit to do something. They knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking to them, and it transpired that it obviously was his leading. It seems clear to me that if we deny such a possibility, we are again guilty of quenching the Spirit. So, my sheep, they know my voice. And Jesus told us that the one that would speak to us was the Spirit. My sheep know my voice, and I know them. Some of you need to repent because you've been living as if you're unseen and uncared for. And God says, no, you're so cared for, and I love you, and I see you. And they follow me. Well, to follow Jesus, you have to die to you. So we're going to lean into that right now, and I think we have the opportunity, which is the beautiful thing, anytime Jesus' church gathers, to go, God, will you lead me? This is what I found. If I'll stop long enough and I'll go, God, what do you want me to do? He tells me. He makes it clear. And that's not always a prophetic vision or some grand thing. Sometimes that's just simply like, read your Bible, moron, you stupid sheep. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea, Holy Spirit. It's crazy that the Holy Spirit will lead me to the little word of God, because that's what he does. Sometimes if I just stop long enough and I go, God, what are you up to? He'll show me things about people, places I should go, things I need to repent of. He's a good Savior, and he's a present shepherd. Will you let him shepherd you? Will you let him lead you right now? Not like tomorrow, not one day in heaven, right now. I want to invite God to shepherd you. And it will look different for everybody because we're all on different levels of stupid sheepness. Like there's times in my kid's life where sometimes they need a stern warning. And other times I just need to hug them. God might just pick you up today and give you a hug. But he also might discipline you. You want to know why? Not because he's mad at you, because good fathers discipline their kids. So Can you kind of, I say, assume the position. I guess get aware of God and stop worrying about people. And I want to ask the shepherd of our souls to come into this room. And I know he's already here. I want to ask the spirit of God to make you aware of God's care. And then I want to ask him to speak because my sheep hear my voice. It might not be fantastic. It might be really subtle because usually it is. Listen to him. And if you're like, man, I don't know what to do, ask him. Lord, will you lead me? That's a good, humble prayer. God, I don't know where to go. I feel like a sheep that fell off a cliff. Help me. He's good. He's really good. Can we do that? And so I'm gonna ask the band to come because we're gonna respond in a song and then we're gonna celebrate baptism and all this stuff. Thank you for joining us today. If you need prayer for anything, you can email us at prayer at cobblestonechurch.com or you can go on our website at www.cobblestonechurch.com and submit it there. We'd love to pray for you. Have a great week and God bless.